Okay, so Stu, you're on. Oh, we need one of those talky things. Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. There we are. Hi, good morning. Um, you know, it's weird doing this a second time because I don't think the jokes are going to work, but I'm going to try it anyway. <laughs> well, they didn't work the first time. How yeah, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> and this is how it began on the trip. Okay, it, it was like this constantly. Um, I did come to appreciate asphalt uh, once we got back because there is none in Tanzania. Uh, it's just dirt roads and bumps, uh, lots and lots of it. Um, I wanted to thank you all of you, first, first of all, for your prayers. I do have a, a quick story of, of a prayer that was answered specifically for my mother. Uh, my mother's 82, uh, fairly spry, and I think her brain works for, pretty good for this oh, age. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, she stayed up with me, and we, the banter was um, almost obnoxious, but not really that bad. Uh, she's not here today, but uh, uh, what happened was we, we um, left... Saturday? I am blurry still. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We left Saturday. It was a long... Monday night, we land... Monday morning? Monday... Anyway, it was early. One o'clock in the morning, we landed in um, uh, Mount Kilimanjaro Airport. And it's uh, an empty airport. There's only maybe 15 of us getting off the plane total. We're six, so those other seven. They've got their bags and everything else, and whoosh, they're gone. We're still standing out there uh, in the dark. Uh, cobras, we're told, are running around. Uh, we're worried about lions, you know, we don't know, we, we've never been here before. Larry's laughing because it's like nothing, no big deal. We got all these porters here and our ride is not there. He hasn't showed and doesn't look like he's going to show. Well, as you know, we took a lot of um, stuff with us. We had uh, three really huge bags packed full of backpacks. We had uh, vacuum-packed quilts that uh, a lot of the ladies here made. Quilt hats, which were just darling on the kids. It, it was really something to see them. Larry even had one on at the same time. We got a good, <laughs> good picture of that. And um, we had backpacks, quilts, and the, the Under Armour shirts, okay? They're all bright-colored, uh, crazy soccer shirts that we were going to give out. Well, anyway, one of these bags was a large uh, black golf bag. A uh, big tall thing, all soft and stuff, and it was packed with maybe 60 or 80 backpacks. And as my mom was walking around, which I guess you're not supposed to do late at night when you're fuzzy anyway, she tripped over this bag that was there, and she went down, and as she went down, she stopped one millimeter from her nose. Her hands were behind her, she couldn't stop herself, and just went down. But she went down on the, on the pack, on the, on the, the golf bag. And I was talking to Joe a couple days later. This is Joe, by the way, in case you didn't know. I was talking to Joe a couple days later, and I asked him, because it, I kept replaying that in my mind. To me, it seemed that the bag moved and got under her as she fell. Remember, she hit it, tripped, and went forward, but the bag was there and stopped her fall. That, to me, was an answered prayer. Okay, it was the very first second we got off the plane, and the devil's already trying to kill off my mom, which, you know, Sometimes I probably would have liked, but generally, you know. <laughs> she's not here, but she'll hear about it, I'm sure. Um, yes, she will. Yes, she will. <laughs> you won't believe what your kids said. Um, I, I've written down what I'm going to say because I think it's important, and I just didn't want to forget anything. So just bear with me as I read it. It is short. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're saying it might be. <laughs> Um, okay. But it's, it's vital. It's vital. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. It is. Um, it is. I'll just start. 
After our arrival and sort of acclimation to the 11 hour time difference, think about that, it's 11 hour time difference, okay? So what's it now? It's 11.30, uh, it's 11.30 at night over there, 10.30 at night, something like that. Um, on the time difference. On Tuesday, we headed out into Arusha in Tanzania and by Thursday afternoon had visited what I recall seven different orphanages or um, schools. Now, travel in Arusha is very difficult. The roads are very narrow. You've got uh, thousands of motorcycles flying by, little ones, not Harleys. We're talking little Honda 90s and stuff like that. They're all scooters. Uh, you've got hundreds of taxis. The taxi there are very skinny little Nissan vans that hold, what, eight people? 100 people. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like 100. Yeah, they're just packed. People hanging off the side. Hundreds of people walking within inches of the cars flying by, or flying by as fast as you can on a terrible donkey road, but um, a lot of stuff going on there, okay? And after visiting those orphanages, we were all, and I think I speak for everybody here, we're having a very hard time processing what we have been seeing. Um, we had a city that was just a, a huge cycle of poverty, uh, HIV and AIDS had made orphans of over one million children in Tanzania alone. Uh, child abuse is rampant. Baby girls are having babies. Uh, and it just continues that cycle of poverty. Uh, there really is no government assistance. And the unemployment rate, we kind of agreed last survey, is about 80%. Uh, just nobody working. They're, they're standing around and so forth. And frankly, it's overwhelming. And it, it, it breaks your heart just seeing that, because we know where, where we're coming from. Look around, they don't have this, okay, at, at all. Um, so what could we do to help? Uh, it's on our minds and how, and the problems are so big, what can we do? I mean, literally, uh, is what we're thinking on from there. And Jesus, Jesus says um, that we'll always have poor with us, and he commands us in James 1.27 to care for the orphans and the widows. The problems in Africa are huge, yet through Jesus, they are surmountable. Okay, we can, we can help. And I've learned that uh, mostly the hard way, that when I'm overwhelmed, the only answer for me is to literally lay it all at the feet of Jesus. Um, that Saturday, I, we had devotions mostly every morning. Uh, I read John 6, 1 through 13 to our group, okay, and here, and here it is. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in the number about 5,000. I just want to remind you here that in the Bible, they generally only counted the men. Sorry, girls, but that's what they did. Usually with these kind of crowds, you would have husbands, wives, children all following around. So this could have been a crowd of maybe 15,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, to his, he distributed them to his disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, 
he said to his disciple, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by them who have eaten. The disciples just did what Jesus told them to do. Go get the bread, start distributing it, and Jesus took care of the rest. And that's kind of what we feel we should be doing, of doing what we can and let Jesus lead the rest. He, he will take care of them. Um, there's an example here of one of the guys. Uh, it was in, um, I'm going to say it Chesuea. wrong. Cheswea, thank you. Um, <laughs> I've misspelled said that every time. Okay, I just can't seem to, I'd call it Chesnick and all sorts of, it's, it's a, it's a um, home for uh, street boys, uh, a center that they can go to. I think they live there. Some of them do. Yeah. Uh, it's in the slums of Arusha. Think about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's an 18-year-old boy. He's uh, pretty hard and tough looking, uh, very fit, and frankly would probably scare you in the daytime, let alone at night in an alley. Okay. Uh, but let me tell you about him real quick. He has no mother that he knows. Well, obviously he did, but he doesn't know her. Uh, the dad is dead. The relatives forced him out on the street. He turned to drugs, cocaine, and alcohol. I took notes as he was talking, so I'm just repeating what he told me. Um, four years on the street of Arusha, yet he gives thanks to God for God's plan. The teachers at Chiswea, thank you, <laughs> came out on the street and, placed, uh, and, and put him into the home. He uh, changed his behavior. He loves his teacher. They showed him Jesus' way, which he called the right way. He finished school. He's seeking a job. He's rented a house. He gave thanks to God and what I found amazing. He gave thanks to us as a group for taking the time away to leave our homes in America, come and visit them. Here's a man that has a heart of appreciation, a heart of, of, of Jesus, I believe. Okay? Um, Jesus' ministry here on earth was working one-to-one -one with people. I saw Jesus work hard, work hard through this board, which is now he's now focused, he's disciplined, he's happy, he's secure, and he's walking with Jesus. I believe that with dedicated local pastors teaching and leading their people to Christ and, and with the encouragement from other Christians throughout the world, I know that one by one, Jesus will change Africa for the better. Proverbs 61 tells us to make our plans and the Lord will give us our answers. I ask each of you to pray for wisdom and guidance for Kids Care International and the God-given role that you can play to help us care for those most in need, leading them to Christ one at a time. Thanks. I'm done. Mm -hmm. It's her turn. She didn't want to talk. <laughs> well, I was just going to tell you about um, some of the things that stuck out to me. Um, we visited so many children within a small space of time, and I'm still blurry, and I got bit by some unknown things. <laughs> um, anyway, um, we, something that sticks out to me was when we were visiting some of the public schools, and education is not free in Tanzania. So, um, and we'd see the kids uh, crowded on these, I mean, little benches. There'd be six of them sitting, you know, close to each other like that. And no books to be seen. I didn't really see any books anywhere. But um, just interesting how the schools are there. And um, it's just such a blessing to be around the kids. They, um, there were so many of them. And I, 
was out in the schoolyard, and they were a little shy at first, and then all of a sudden I was in the middle of a battle of just high fives. I was doing millions of them, and there was hundreds of kids around me, and they just wanted to touch you and, and hug you and just be with you. And um, they all look so cute because they look like they're in their little uniforms and stuff like that. But close up, um, their uniforms, they're worn, just, they're in tatters. The, you know, the collars are all just bare and, you know, little holes everywhere. And um, they really, really need our help. They do. Um, they're just precious. I, um, it was just a blessing to be there. And um, I just go if you can. It's just life-changing. Well, like Robin, what impressed me most was the kids. The, the joy they would find from simple things. Because when we went there, I expected poverty. But I had no idea to what extent it was going to be. But just to make them happy, like the high fives or one thing that really made them laugh and giggle was when we would take pictures of them and show them back to them on our cell phones. They just thought that was the greatest thing. And then they would, one after another, would come up, take mine, take mine. And just to see that joy when they have nothing, they don't have the basic school supplies they need, they don't have personal possessions, and they're still happy. You could see the joy. And they were happy that we were there and thankful for the little gifts that we could bring them. And it, that just, it, it's so impressed on me that I know I have to do something to continue that. Um, the other thing that really made an impression on me was the nature. To be that close to God's animals, to be, see an elephant right there in front of you or a lion. Um, even the clouds. One day I just got absorbed in the clouds and before I knew it I was just overwhelmed with God's love. That's his way of showing us love. And I feel like I saw a tiny bit of heaven and I thought to myself, if that's a tiny bit, can you imagine what it's going to be like when we really get there? It, it was just, it was overwhelming. And I want to thank all of you who prayed for us, especially my prayer partners, because from the beginning I knew that I needed to go on this trip and there were lots of things that happened and lots of obstacles. And at one point I was almost ready to say no, but I didn't because I knew it's what God wanted. And he wanted all of us there for a reason. And, and he took care of us and he, he, everything went perfectly. We didn't have any major issues lights on time just everything went his way and it was it was just amazing it was totally amazing and this Matthew West song kept going through my head where he's talking to God and he's asking God he's telling you know there's so much poverty and inequality God why don't you do something and God says I did I created you and that made the impression on me. That's why he created all of us. We have a lot so we can give to those who don't have anything. So that was my experience. So we were all called um, for different reasons by God to go on this trip. We all, we all heard that call and uh, we were all obedient to do it. And about two, three days in, I, I started to wonder, 
what that calling actually was, um, sitting in the hotel room, just asking God, are, are you really here in Africa? I mean, the, the stories and the things that we saw in the schools, um, the world and the enemy will tell you that no, God's not here. Just, just give up, turn around, go on safari and go home. Um, but what we saw every day showed that God was there. God was there in every step of it. Um, the, the people that are the hands and feet on the ground in Africa um, with Golden and with uh, Jehoshaphat and with all of these people who uh, sink their entire lives, everything that they are, into these children uh, was amazing. And it showed me that God really is there and that God is working hard there. Um, that he has people on the ground who really care about these children. And to be a part of that, to be called to go over there and to uh, bless other people, I was wondering, well, how? You know, what are we, what are we doing? We're, we're bringing backpacks and we're bringing, um, you know, little toys, little toy spinning tops that, that a child um, here will discard after they get out of the McDonald's drive-through. Uh, but these children acted like it was gold, like it was the most precious thing they'd ever seen. The smiles and the laughs and everything that went along with it. And what I came to realize is that it wasn't what we brought with us, it was that we brought Jesus with us. Amen. That when we stepped foot there, there were people of God who were on the ground that were bringing the love of Jesus to these people. Um, kids who just have no hope and the stories are just heartbreaking one after another that you, you just can't stand it anymore. But God was there through all of it. His love was there and it was so just mighty. You could feel it every single day and we would do devotion and we would do um, you know, prayer and we would, we would sit around and sometimes listen to music and, and we felt God's presence. You know, the second portion of it, you know, yeah, we, we get to go out and see God's creation and his animals and his, his world. Um, I felt, and I mentioned it one day, that that was God's reward for us being obedient and going and doing what he asked us to do. So, you know, everybody's right. Um, we, we can do something. We can get involved in these children's lives because to see the joy of these children and to have these boys at this, this rough and tough boy's home uh, come to us and say that we love you because not only did you leave your family, but when we see you because we don't have parents, you're our parents. You help us, you support us. And to see that and to hear that out of, out of these young children um, was just incredible and it, it will always leave an impression on me. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was one of the days we read, um, I read something out of Hebrews that I wanted to share. It was in Hebrews 13, and I think it made one of the biggest impressions on me while I was there. Um, it starts in uh, Hebrews 13, 1. Uh, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. And I saw that, and we saw a lot of suffering there that can be alleviated, and I think that we were God's agents in a lot of those ways. And then it picks up in 15, which uh, I thought was the most important, was that through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Uh, 
the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others for, with such sacrifices God is pleased. I can truly say that we felt like God was pleased with what we did out there. And we are looking forward to more trips out there. We are looking forward to any and everybody in this room who will make a trip, make a sacrifice pleasing to God for these children out there to help them, to help families, uh, as Pastor said, one generation at a time and one life at a time. Thank you. Yeah. This thing. We're going to show you a, a couple of sl a few slides. Uh, Joe took four thousand. Uh, <laughs> Stu took three thousand nine hundred. Um, and I mean, it's more like a flip chart. You know, it's a it's a movie. And yeah, we will. And so let's go ahead and move the stands too. Um, and so just a, just a couple of pictures just to kind of give you a little bit of the flavor. Um, it's not really, I mean, no, I didn't even put any animal pictures in, which was hard for me to not do. Because uh, I, I just love the creation side of it. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that everybody got it. Uh, Janice and I, we just love creation. We love, we love nature. You know, something I want, I told with everybody is, you know what? We are not animus, we do not worship creation, but we are to honor it, because it is God's handiwork. And it's just, it's just a beautiful thing to see God's handiwork. But um, so I wanna just have, have people just talk a little bit about what's going on here, and some of the, just a few of the pictures here. But this is, um, this is at uh, Shalom Center, and this is one of our main uh, places that we are support. We, we own land there. Uh, Kid Care owns the land uh, right next to the center. We bought it so that Golden could use it. And uh, we, someday we, we plan on building a, a, um, an extension to, to the whole process there of what Golden is doing. But um, these are the kids that um, we got to touch their lives. So go ahead. Anybody want to say anything here? Well, just that as was usual every place that we went, um, there was just so much joy that we saw, you know, hitting the ground there. These are, are children that just have nothing. And, and when we say nothing, we say that, you know, we say that here in, in our part of the world. And it means something totally different because I wasn't prepared for that. And just the thrill to have a t-shirt. We saw these images every single place we went and it was so uplifting. Okay, next picture. There you go. <laughs> she won't talk about herself, I'm sorry. <laughs> My wife Robin and one of the kids. Um, these kids would come up to her. It was, I, I have probably hundreds of pictures of her being surrounded. You can barely see her half the time. Uh, she talks about this high five thing that was going on, and I, I wish I'd taken a video clip of it because it went on for about 15 minutes of just kid after kid after kid running up, slapping her, and then it was crowded around and, and so forth. But uh, the love these kids have um, is is contagious, and when you when you look at what they're living in as compared to the love that you're seeing, uh, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you would think these kids would be uh, angry and mean and upset. I know mine would be. 
and not these kids. Uh, it tr truly, truly remarkable. We'll talk about the little girl in a minute. Um, but uh, something that Stu did mention in the first service, and it's, it's important you understand this, that to go to school, you have to have a uniform, and you also have to shave your head. Girls, boys, everybody. Um, and uh, so this is a, one, of our, one of our girls, and you know, it, so we look like a little boy. You know, it does uh, until, so let's go ahead to the next picture. And, uh, this, Those this are is, all this, boys. This is, Ch <laughs> this is, this is Chesnick. <laughs> uh, the boy down in the uh, right side with the CK shirt on, he was the young man that talked to us and thanked us uh, for being there. Very, very well spoken for, for a street child. You know, he was very uh, grateful. He was, um, he was incredible at how much he appreciated us leaving our homes and our families just to spend the little bit of time that we were able to spend with them. And when he said that, you know, we consider you our parents because we don't know our parents, um, it was an incredible moment. Okay, next one. Under Armour do donated, I don't know, three, four hundred shirts and shorts and underwear and all sorts of things. We, uh, we were up one night in the, in the very small room we were in with uh, four large bags stuffed of all these things, uh, dividing them all out. And when it was done, all the kids, of course, you can see kind of in the, in the background, um, it looked like a real bright soccer team when we were done. We had pinks and oranges and limes and yellows, and it just kept going. And I, I honestly, looking at what the kids were wearing at the time, did not think they would like these shirts. I mean, because they are rather bright, but they just went nuts for these things. Uh, and we came back a couple days later. They're still wearing the things. It, it, was, it was really neat. And if you notice, they all have backpacks on. <laughs> when we started... When we started the trip, Pastor Larry told me that there was going to be someone that would steal my heart, and this little girl did it. Her name was Adita, and when we gave them out all their little toys, their little plastic tops and whistles, and they were small kids went in the other room, and some boys were trying to take her stuff away from her, and she wasn't having any of it. She, they were a lot bigger and a lot older, and she held her own, and that's why she stole my heart. Okay. That's our kids. Okay, these two girls, the one that you've already seen with uh, Robin, uh, her parents sold her as a wife to a Maasai uh, chief and uh, the Shalom Center that we support, that we are the only supporters of Shalom Center. It's not like anybody else is doing anything, it's just us. But Shalom Center got her and um, was able to, to pull her off of the streets, I mean off of the of uh, the situation of this uh, arranged marriage, childhood marriage. Uh, it's nothing more than pedophilism, okay? <laughs> that's, that's all it is, um, legal pedophilism. And uh, the girl in the yellow, many of you, if you've been around, you've heard me ta talk about Joyce. And she is the one whose her dad sold her uh, to a Maasai chief as a bride, one of his brides. And um, she ran away and she would, then she was brought into the Shalom Center, to our center there. And she, um, um, when she graduated from, in essence, what it was be a junior high school, she um, 
uh, wanted to visit some family members, an uncle. She went to visit an uncle while she was there. Her uh, brothers found out where she was. They kidnapped her. They drove her about 250 miles away to uh, where she was going to be married to this guy. Uh, she one evening decided she was going to run away. She took off. Uh, she couldn't catch the bus because uh, everybody was... Uh, her family was there looking for her. Smart, smart, smart girl. She decided, some, I'm not sure how she did it, somehow she came across enough money to, to buy a, a burqa. Now, keep in mind, she's not a Muslim. Um, uh, far from it. She's a lover of Jesus. Boy, is she a lover of Jesus. But she bought a burqa so that just all she could see was just her, her eyes. And she put the burqa on, walked right past her brothers at the bus station, and went back to the center that you support that was there to, to bring her back. And that's Joyce. And that's, that's, that's the kind of stories that we're hearing on and on and on of, of kids that, that have lost their parents. Let's go to the next one. Okay, Stu, go ahead. <laughs> The picture I have has about 65 kids standing around that 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 uh, that banner. I don't know why we got the little one there, but I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was fun. We drove in, and there was there was probably 15 of them holding the banner, all big smiles and stuff, and and all the rest of them were standing over in the background. I kind of waved at them and said, "Get in there!" And they just ran right in and got big old pictures and waves and smiles. Okay, next one. This is one of those schools that uh, Robin was talking about, where this was the high five um, mat. But if you begin to look close, you can see that their uniforms, they, you know, they look good. And then all of a sudden you see moth holes, see tears in them, see worn places in them. And, um, you know, they have to have a uniform to go to school, and they treasure going to school. And uh, let's go ahead to the next one. This picture, the kids that are standing, these are the children that Kid Care supports. We, we are paying for their school tuition and buying their uniforms for them. If we weren't doing that, these kids would not be in school. And um, you, this, is, this is what takes place. That dollar that you are dropping in every week in that water jar that's going to, to support these kids. And we have, we literally have hundreds of kids in the public schools. The uh, Tanzanian government does not provide free education for any of their children. Um, you can pay for a private school, which uh, that was the first school we went to. And we're walking around going, this looks pretty good. It's pretty nice, you know, books and desks and really nice uniforms. And then the next six in a row were similar to this. You can see the, the condition of the walls in the background, the windows. Uh, the uniforms and so forth. They had nothing. And this was the public school system that it, these parents also have to pay to put their kids in. So a lot of the kids aren't even there. They're out on the street. Yeah, we did see the effects of that. Um, a lot of the places we went, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, you're driving through the streets of Arusha, and there are just children walking around everywhere. Um, seemed like a peaceful people. I mean, there, there wasn't, uh, we didn't see anything. We never felt unsafe. but. It was still one of those environments where you just felt like, wow, there, there are children that should be in school that aren't, and why are they not? But some of them are because of you. Right. Right, and if you ever wonder where your sponsorship money goes, we didn't get a chance to meet the girl that Heather sponsors because she's away at medical school. 
So, awesome. <laughs> okay, next picture. Okay, these two little girls here, they're, they're sisters. And uh, we, we have supported them for a long time. And they're, they're almost orphans. The father, a little rough here, but the father beheaded the mother. And uh, obviously he's in prison now. But these, these two little girls, they are in school because of you. And they love Jesus. Here's, here's a happiness happening. I gave away a lot of hugs. A lot of hugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like, okay, who wants a hug? You know, here they come. Okay. Just some of the, 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 the beauty of God's creation there. This, this is a Maasai school. It's more of a, a fundraising technique. <laughs> and these are the Maasai's. Stu wants to hire them for sales staff. <laughs> we're laughing. You don't know what we're laughing about. We apologize. Uh, what these guys do is they wave you in as you're driving down the road. You come in and you want to visit a Maasai village. Hey, great cultural spirit. It sounds like fun. Okay, it's 20 bucks a person to walk in the door. Okay, it starts from there. And then they show you, they do dances. You get to dance, and then there's a cute video of me and Joe dancing with them. Uh, and then they take you into their, their huts and talk about the, the lifestyle, and, and you're wondering why you're sitting there. And then you go outside, and you find out why you were sitting there. They have all their uh, uh, things to sell, and, of course, you have to buy the stuff that was made at that particular hut you were set in. And they can't talk about money till they get outside, so they make sure you have lots of stuff in your hands to take outside, and then they tell you the exorbitant price for the stuff that's in your hand. It's really a lot of fun. <laughs> we saw four camels walking down the road. Everybody gets their camera out, take a picture. Click, 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 click. Here comes the Maasai warrior running over to the thing. Of course, our driver knows better. He stops. The guy says, that's two bucks each. Thank you for the picture. <laughs> Okay. Is that all the pictures? Oh, I could keep going. I know. <laughs> okay, that's 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 our that's what we have. Can we have? Okay. <laughs>